Welcome everyone to the Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whitbeck, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have with us our Chief Investment Officer and Managing Partner, Jeff Powell. Jeff, how are you doing? Right, good morning. So Jeff, it's uh, been a bit since we've really directly talked about the COVID-19 virus and just the impacts that it's had, um, changes that have taken place within the U.S. and within the world and how this virus has evolved, both uh, on a virus level, but also on how the world responds to it. And so thought it'd be interesting to have a conversation, kind of an update, if you will, on where we presently stand. So if you don't mind, Jeff, uh, can you kind of lay the landscape? Where are we at with COVID-19? Well, I think probably one of the most notable things to talk about right at the moment is the fact that the FDA uh, has approved uh, Pfizer's vaccine. Uh, it is now official for uh, anybody uh, over the age of 16 for it to be approved. I believe that's the day, the, the period they're expecting the 12 and over to be uh, officially approved. Obviously, they're still giving vaccines right now to children of the age of 12 and over uh, as we speak, uh, but it's not officially uh, approved. Still expecting Moderna uh, and J&J. Uh, to be approved also, uh, but it's also interesting that uh, at least all of the reports that are coming out about Pfizer is that they are also doing uh, direct testing uh, with children all the way down to uh, to newborns. So they're actually doing kind of three categories, a zero to two, a two to six, and a six to 12, uh, with the hope of being able to, to begin vaccinations for children of that age uh, going on hopefully in September or October. So the, the hope that I would think out there with what you're seeing with uh, the number of children that are, are catching the Delta variant specifically uh, has been skyrocketing. And we've obviously seen uh, another surge of, of what's going on as, as we've seen a relaxing of, of regulations and mask mandates and you know, more importantly, people traveling for holidays and now we've got the back to school thing going on. We've we've definitely seen a significant increase in uh, in rates, especially in areas uh, with low vaccination rates. So we're seeing really the South getting hit very very hard right now. Uh, with states like Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida is an obvious one to talk about, as well as Texas, uh, where you're really seeing rates that are uh, skyrocketing. Uh, and unfortunately, with that skyrocketing rate, we're seeing hospitalizations going through the roof. Uh, we're seeing death rates uh, in those areas that are are uh, getting hit the worst going up as well because unfortunately our medical staff is in the exact same position as it has been before, which is that they are um, being forced to make choices and hard choices of who gets beds and who doesn't get beds. And we're also seeing kind of temporary hospital uh, beds being uh, redeployed in certain areas of the country where we never saw, thought that we would see it again. But, you know, again, almost across the board, uh, it, there are maps that kind of show um, increases or decreases in COVID. And unfortunately, I think the statistic that I read was 97% of our population um, as of about a week ago were in areas that had uh, extreme increases in COVID rates in their areas. So as much as uh, I speak often about how 
highly vaccinated Marin County is where I am, you're still seeing a rise in rates uh, and it's all coming from the people that were not vaccinated or at least for the most part it is. Yeah, Jeff, and I, I appreciate that uh, that last comment because that's certainly been one of the things that's perhaps uh, not very well understood and somewhat alarming, and that's uh, with regard to breakthrough cases. Um, and so Marin County is a great example where you had a very high uh, adoption rate of the vaccine, and yet you're seeing some cases breakthrough. You mind talking a little bit about what is a breakthrough case and why are officials still recommending people get the vaccine, even though it's not necessarily 100% in preventing someone from getting infected? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the biggest thing that, that they're looking at, and I think that where uh, there is continued concern regarding COVID and, and the impacts are you know, what happens to those vaccinated and those unvaccinated. So where I am and, and what you're seeing kind of as a, a global trend is the people that are unvaccinated are truly the ones that are finding themselves in hospitals and ICU beds in particular uh, and death rates that are, are uh, substantially higher uh, than anyone else. We did just see a death in Marin County. We haven't seen a death in a long time and it was unfortunately somebody that was vaccinated. So. This doesn't mean, you know, just because you're vaccinated does not mean you're immune from it. But really, realistically speaking about, you know, it's, it's, the numbers are very high. It's 75, 80 percent of the, the hospitalization and uh, death rates are, are even more off the charts of people that are unvaccinated, um, which is unfortunate. I mean, this is, to me, uh, not a political thing. It's a science thing. And uh, the thing that I find interesting, and again, being um, not, I mean, I'm, as I've said many times before, my job is not to sit there and be red or blue or purple, but rather to be translucent. And so I kind of try to take the same approach with regard to this, where I hear arguments against vaccinations uh, more on the right than the left. The thing I don't understand about it is that vaccines were created under the Trump administration. The administration of it, uh, the deployment of the vaccines came under the Biden administration. So if you are really looking at, you know, trying to fight uh, a worldwide pandemic, you know, we shouldn't be fighting between red and blue. We should be fighting a virus. And uh, while there are certain talks of of masks being, you know, against your rights and other things, there are plenty of other rules and regulations that we live with every day uh, that are, you know basically you know things that somebody could argue is our infringements against our constitutional rights so why can't you drive 150 miles per hour on the highway you know, why do you have to stop at a stoplight you know it, there are certain things that i view that you know again this is a little bit different where it's uh something that you know with regard to a vaccine where it is something that's invasive to your own specific body so i understand that kind of argument but the mask mandate and other things that could also help with the, uh, the slowing of this, I, I just don't understand the, the the argument against it. But to, to kind of take your conversation one step further, the breakthrough and, and so on, you're really talking about vaccinated versus unvaccinated people. And it's overwhelmingly uh, the, the percentages are, are off the charts with regard to uh, the percentage of people that are being hospitalized and dying that are unvaccinated versus vaccinated. So. It's very obvious that with the vaccines, that it is helping build your immune system uh, to the COVID uh, virus. 
And uh, obviously to me, what I look at behind it is just wanting to wrap my arms around our clients and make sure that they're okay. And the best way that I can think about that is to continue to encourage uh, vaccinations because the, the evidence is pretty self-evident. I saw recently um, some of the statistics on the FDA approval that you mentioned that Pfizer received on their vaccine where they were able to look at over 210 million shots that were administered. And so arguably probably one of the most sound studies done ever on getting an approval for a vaccine just because of the sheer volume of people that were vaccinated before they had the full FDA approval. And so arguably this is probably one of the safer initial shot rollouts that we've ever had if you've waited until this point where the FDA is given the green light. And to your point, Jeff, um, not going to prevent everything. Uh, certainly, uh, you can still get infect infected, but the data does seem to hold strong that if you do get infected, the likelihood of a severe case is going to be greatly diminished. Do you, do you mind talking a bit about the Delta variant and just why that has created some of the the upswell uh, and then also concerns or lack of concerns depending on where you fall uh, with future variants that may come forth? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing with, with the Delta variant is it just seems uh, significantly more contagious it, it, uh, from everything that I've read. Uh, what ends up happening is uh, you know, the spread of, of this virus is done. They talk about the you know, different counts of the virus being in nasal passages and so on. And uh, this seems to be, even in asymptomatic people, uh, producing substantially higher um, rates in people, which means that it becomes significantly more contagious in, in what's going on. So essentially this, uh, this uh, variation, so again, what the, uh, what the CDC and uh, what WHO do with regard to it, is the first of the virus was called an alpha. We never heard the phrase alpha being re referred to with regard to COVID-19 because it's the first of the variant of it. It's it's the 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 start of the uh, the pandemic. But as time goes on, what ends up happening is uh, there is a change, a mutation, uh, if you, uh, for lack of any other better way of saying it, of the actual um, coronavirus itself. And so what ends up happening is they use the Greek alphabet. Uh, so you've got alpha, beta, gamma, delta, and so on. Um, right now, uh, the delta variant is what we're seeing spreading. I mean, if you look at the percentage of people, and they actually have sub-variations of that. So the delta has multiple different variations of it. Uh, but you're seeing right now, almost exclusively the cases that are spreading within the United States are the delta variant. Uh, concerning is there's a new lambda variant. So again, if you think about how the Greek alphabet works, lambda is right in the middle of the Greek alphabet. So it's like where where did everything else come from? You know, where did the other variants come? Well, if if the other variants are not a dominant variant, uh, what ends up happening is typically uh, though another variant will come along that's uh, you know going to surpass it in the way of of spreading. That's why you typically won't hear, for example, you know, I just got done saying alpha, beta, gamma, and delta. Well. There was a beta, there was a gamma. Uh, they just weren't as strong as the alpha, and so they really didn't spread much better than anything else. Again, a mutation, but then the delta variant became the dominant variant of what was going on, and now it's mutating from there. 
So if we're looking at it, the, the Lambda, uh, Lambda is definitely something that we, we, uh, I think a lot of people are looking at. It's primarily in uh, South America as we speak, um, and, but we are seeing cases in a lot of states right now, especially in the South, uh, it's not considered to be the dominant uh, variant as we speak right now, but it is talked about possibly being that. And really the biggest concern about all these things is not the mutation itself, but does the mutation come to a level where it becomes less effective for the vaccines that we have? And so really, you know, the, the true fear out there is that this could uh, metamorphosize to a level in which the vaccines that we're using right now are less effective or not effective at all, which would put us back at ground zero if we were really in a situation where we can't uh, find a, uh, a herd immunity to what's going on. So that's really kind of the, 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 the fear factor behind it. And so as you mentioned, or as you raised the question, Jeremy, the, the Delta variant is simply just the, the strongest variation of the COVID-19 uh, virus that's spreading through the United States as we speak right now. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. That was a, a great uh, uh, breakdown. And one of the points that I, I really appreciate is the fact that these variants may render the uh, vaccines less effective. Um, this is where uh, Pfizer and I believe Moderna are the only two. There may be others. I may be mistaken in that. But um, where they have found that a booster shot significantly strengthened the body's uh, immunolog immunological response, if I said that right, uh, towards the, uh, the different strains. And so it looks like we still have a lot of firepower there and we may be uh, getting, uh, we all may be getting boosters soon. And so a lot of the concerns about the uh, efficacy of the shots uh, waning while somewhat true we've uh, found that there are ways to counteract that and so that certainly makes me very uh, hopeful and very uh, bullish going forward that we'll be able to continue to use these technologies to fight this virus as they uh, continue to spread and mutate well, the uh, other thing that i heard that i was kind of exciting jeremy was the this whole uh, and this is all pfizer but you know the ability to use pfizer in younger and younger children i mean because the the one thing that we're hearing our percentage of of our population that are being immunized, uh, but what they're doing is they're saying of those eligible, not of the total population. And so until we can actually immunize uh, children under the age of 12, it's kind of a, a big asterisk to saying, you know, we, we're at, you know, X percent. Well, we're not at X percent. We're at X percent of the people that are, are able to actually have the vaccination. And the thing that I've seen that is very encouraging uh, is that, you know, the initial feedback of what's going on with um, the Pfizer uh, vaccine in, in particular, because that's what's being studied at the moment, is that they can actually use approximately a third of what the doses are of what they used with uh, you and I, and I was a Moderna person, you were, I think, a Pfizer, but, uh, but nonetheless, they're using a third of the normal dosage and they're seeing the exact same immunization response uh, within the body uh, so they're able to actually vaccinate children at a much younger age. They're able to spread the amount of vaccine that they're actually using to a larger group of people. And uh, it's having, at least from the initial uh, studies, that it's having the same positive effect as it has with older uh, people or, or you know, teenagers and adults. So it's, it's, it is very interesting. Um, it will be also interesting, again, as you said, does this uh, does this wear off? Does it wear down? Do we need a booster? 
Um, I think that there's still a lot to be figured out with regard to that. Um, you are seeing numbers dramatically drop off with regard to uh, the spread of, of COVID uh, and people that have had a, a longer stretch between when they got their initial immunization shots and, and when they were exposed to it. So it does seem pretty logical that a booster might be in order. I think the numbers that we're hearing is between six and eight months out uh, before uh, a booster shot would be required uh, within it. The other really interesting thing that I had heard was uh, how um, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, when they're, when they're working with the FDA, they're actually providing live feeds to them. So unlike in days past where you might work for four or five years, compile the information and then provide the FDA uh, the information, you know, kind of in a nice little bundled package. Um, these uh, drug companies are actually working side by side with the FDA and providing them information as they're doing it. You know, it's so it's not like they're trying to um, hide anything. It's not like there's not complete transparency to what's going on. It's just a very interesting uh, kind of open door uh, working together mentality between the pharmaceutical companies and the FDA, which is really kind of an encouraging thing uh, when you're when you're really looking at it as an overall. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jeff, I think uh, just to kind of close out, uh, obviously uh, the best thing to do would be to prevent getting it and even having to test how uh, how strong your uh, response will be against COVID. So what are at the sake of sounding uh, common sense, but what are some of the things that people can do to just help prevent from getting COVID in the first place? You know, the biggest thing that I would continue to throw out is is um, everybody has their own individual rights and there's no argument uh, to that fact. And, and we're not here to sit there and, and tell people uh, how to live their lives. But there is a societal thing that we do want to be looking at here as you know, what's, what's for the greater good of the community around you. And the obvious things there are are just they're pretty straightforward. I mean, uh, we I think that the the need to continue to socially distance when you can is important. Um, you know, if you are going to be indoors and, and around other people, um, consider putting a mask on. There, I mean, this is something that has worked for forever. There's reasons why doctors, uh, when they're performing surgery and other things, put a, a mask on is not for themselves it's to prevent them providing uh anything that they may have to their patient that they're operating upon and so we really just need to continue to consider that uh, i would strongly encourage anybody that's listening who has not uh, gotten themselves vaccinated to to consider it um yes there are about 10 percent of the people that get shots do show side effects but it's 10 percent. i mean a lot of people get a flu shot every year and it's something that's encouraged again in people that are older. Well, this is essentially the same thing. And so uh, if you're looking at it from that kind of context, a lot of what was in the flu shots are, you know, date back to the days of uh, the 1918 uh, pandemic as well. So um, doesn't have to be a fight, doesn't have to be anything else, doesn't have to be a red thing or a blue thing. It's an American thing. It's a, it's a global thing. And so really the thing I would kind of continue to urge people to think about is this is not a fight between Democrats and Republicans. This is not a fight of North or South or East or West or you know, whatever else you know, that you want to sit there and throw out. This is a fight against a vaccine that doesn't care how rich you are, how old you are, where you live or anything else. It just wants to continue to live on in a warm body and use you as a host. So kind of keep that in mind with what's going on with your decisions. 
Absolutely, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for uh, kind of walking us through that and uh, explaining the shift in the landscape that's taking place in, la uh, in the last year. And to our audience, thank you very much for your time. And as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.